Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, vegan dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. <laughs> Presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this edition of the show. We are getting into the AFC East. Beast. The beast. Maybe. Now that we have good quarterbacks on every team. You smell that? Uh, it smells like It smells just... like my quarterbacks, Josh Rosen. Uh, it smells like mouthwash, Kyle. That's actually I, what it smells like. I was like. trying to be considerate. Yeah. We're sitting here standing <laughs> the microphone in your Beats factory. Kyle's about to... Kyle literally just... Rinsed himself out, his mouth out with mouthwash, and cracked open an orange, vanilla, Coke, zero. Zero, zero sugar, yes. What is going on? Uh, listen, I just like taste. <laughs> Doesn't have to be good taste. <laughs> oh I just my like God. taste. That's why I don't drink water, right? That is very, 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 very sketchy. It's Bills and Dolphins Day here. We're going to recap the 2019 NFL Draft, focusing on the Bills and Dolphins, a couple of teams that we know nothing about. No, we're totally clueless. We're flying in the dark. We definitely don't each have... Solo podcast dedicated to each one of these two teams. We, we're, we're just flying dark, so folks. So buckle in, hang in with us. Uh, Joe, let's talk about Bills Mafia. Yeah, let's do it. All right, well, so we're going to talk about Ed Oliver falling to number nine. I really appreciate this pick for Buffalo, Joe. We've had a lot of conversations throughout the course of the entire buildup of this draft process, asking, you know, what direction should Buffalo go? You know, they need help offensively, the skill players, the offensive line, and this is why I think. Free agency is such an important component of r- roster construction. The Bills never really overspent on anybody. They, I mean, they paid market price for guys, but they didn't pay any premium contracts out. But they went out and they addressed some of these needs and fleshed it out so that they could pick a true best player available, which was the situation when they drafted L. Oliver with the ninth pick. And obviously three technique and, and penetration role in that defensive front is something that's very important. Uh, to any McDermott defense, right? And they, mm-hmm. they, they had to get that taken care of. And the fact that they were able to haul this in at nine and not have to jump up and down the board, uh, I, I think is a testament to their patience, their willingness to to stay convicted with the players. They know, listen, we if we don't get Ed Oliver, we got TJ Hawkinson on the back burner that we like, and we're going to draft him instead. But they got Ed Oliver. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a pick that's hard to not like, right? I mean, it's pretty universally accepted as a really good pick. Big need. I thought that three technique was the biggest need for this Buffalo Bills team. Like you mentioned, 18 unrestricted free agents signed. That really helped them address a lot of the other needs, and I thought the big one was uh, at defensive tackle, and Ed Oliver certainly secures that. Cody Ford, right? This is a player that uh, a lot of people on our staff had as OT1. Uh, I had him as the 33rd ranked player in the class. I think you had him a little higher. Buffalo traded up. And and it's interesting because they signed six unrestricted free agent offensive linemen for this football team, but never quite figured out which one was going to play right tackle because Ty Inseki and Deion Dawkins, really true left tackles, both of them, when they've been asked to play on the right side, they don't look as natural. Now you've got a young piece on this offensive line in addition to potentially Deion Dawkins, definitely Mitch Morse, to to really fortify this group and, and, and put it together so that you're having a long-standing unit without so many interchangeable parts. The last three years has featured a ton of turnover on the offensive line. Cody Ford, a building block to, to really anchor this thing going forward. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Joe, we didn't really talk about this, but you had mentioned that I was really high on Cody Ford. Come on back here. I need to talk to you. Uh, Cody Ford 
was a top 20 player for me. Mm. Ed Oliver was a top 10 player for wow. me. Wow. But you know what? Both of these teams got two players that were my top 25s. Oh, wow. The Bills and Dolphins. The Bills and Dolphins. Wow. So I think both of these draft classes deserve a tip of the cap. I just had that observation as okay. you were talking about Cody Ford. I'm not fast-forwarding no, past the Bills. Say, or yeah. any, no, 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 no. I, I just wanted to make that observation while it was fresh yeah. in my head because, you know, we have so many things going through here yeah. and these conversations, yeah. you know, they're so organic that we do a lot of times. I have a lot of thoughts and then they slip away. Yeah. So I don't want to let that one get away from me. Kyle, I know Bills Mafia is very interested in Devin Singletary and, and Dawson Knox. So let's spend some time there. And before we move on to the Dolphins. Okay. Um, you take one, I'll take the other. Uh, I want to talk Devin Singletary. Okay. Because it's an interesting selection, and, and the running back class as a whole this year kind of came off the board interesting. And having Devin Singletary come off set up 74, that's about where I would have valued him as a football player. Uh, but there is some risk with this selection. You really think about... Uh, his athletic profile and how many running backs do you see come into the pros that have success with as bad of testing as he had mm-hmm. level of competition was a concern but at the same time joe I've, i listened to you talk about this on lockdown bills while i was sitting here on your couch and you were <laughs> recording this three feet away from me the production that's hard to ignore 66 touchdowns in three years i mean my goodness so devin singletary i think you look at the offensive linemen that they've kind of gravitated towards, right? And you, you think about them signing Frank Gore in free agency and bringing him in and, and Shady McCoy still being here. And Devin Singletary uh, kind of has some of those finesse moves like you saw from, from Shady. He's nowhere near the athlete that Shady was. And Shady wasn't even really a, a relatively good athlete for the running back position anyway. Right, right. But then also a little bit of that kind of ground and pound that you get with a Frank Gore these days. And Singletary is kind of an interesting in-between as far as that lexicon of those two types of backs. And um, I think he can be a guy that can at least provide snaps provided he you know, picks up the playbook well and protects the football and uh, that he can run the in-between stuff where Shady and, and Frank, I think, have a little bit more clear role specifically in the rushing offense. I think Singletary can be a player that can give you uh, components of both of their roles encapsulated into one, and maybe that's something moving forward. They'd like to solidify that into a single player. Not to say that he's going to be the lead back of the Buffalo Bills for the next 10 years, but I think that was kind of how I tried to look at the thought process of adding Devin Singletary. Yeah, and obviously what an opportunity for him to come in as a rookie and play behind Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, not bad. And not, not, not bad. Interesting. Singletary actually gives you good contact balance. That was one of his ga- part of his game that I didn't expect as much. Dawson Knox. Bills had a big need at tight end. Entering the draft with Tyler Croft. Okay. Jason Kroon. Not good. And Jake Fisher, who's converting over from offensive Not great. As a tight end. So they double-dipped at tight end. Dawson Knox in the fourth round. Tommy Sweeney in the seventh round. Traded two fourth-round picks to move back up into third round and get Dawson Knox, a guy who caught, what, like 20 passes <laughs> at, at uh, Ole Miss? And so the, the production really kind of comes up uh, immediately with the discussion. And it goes back to tape, right? You've got to watch tape to appreciate what Dawson Knox gives you. Very elementary... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very elementary tree. 
Route yeah, three. he yeah. ran like two routes, you yeah. know, for Ole Miss. But the athletic profile was always very easy to identify. Some of the splashes in terms of contested situations and yards after catch were good. I actually like him as a blocker right now. But the real value, what he's going to bring to this team, hopefully as he develops and evolves into a tight end, a guy that came into Ole Miss playing quarterback at high school, only, only played the position of tight end for a few years, what he can develop into as a receiver. Now, the, the flashes are there. But he's got a lot to learn. He's got to really develop the route tree. He's got to become more consistent at the catch point. You see it in small doses, not consistently over any period of time that gets you excited. This is a true upside selection, but one that I think was worthwhile. I think there's a ceiling here oh, that's very, yeah. they're very interesting to me. Yeah, no question. At 96, mm-hmm. betting on that athletic profile is a no-brainer. Now, I do have a bit of a hot take. All right. Well, what would you say if I told you I would guess that Tommy Sweeney has more catches in 2019 than Dawson Knox. I think that you would be speaking very well because Tommy Sweeney has terrific hands, very limited athletic profile, but ready, right? This is a start of a billion games for Boston College over the last four seasons. Do you think he – you expect Croft to have the most receptions out of that? I do, yeah. 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 Health willing, of course. Of course. Yeah, Yeah. okay, cool. Um, Fins up? Fins up? Fins up, baby. Let's talk about the Dolphins. Well, well just to tie a ribbon on the Bills. That was a weird ending. Okay, I'm going to turn around and mahalo. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle mentioned two top 25 players on his draft board. For me, I thought Ed Oliver was really good value in terms of like really popping off my board. But every other player, it's kind of like exactly where I slotted them on my draft board. So I don't think there's any real slam dunks outside of the Oliver pick, but I think very consistent in terms of how I value these players. Keep talking. Okay, it is time for the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Josh Rosen's their quarterback. That's probably the most important thing to talk about. Right, like um, he has to be included <laughs> with the draft class, right? Yeah. Hold on. I'm, uh, real quick, I'm just pulling up my Bills class, class versus my personal draft board all right. because I would love to see, I, I think I'm in the exact same boat as you, where the valuation of those players versus where they actually came off the board yeah. Obviously, Brandon Bean, big listener of Draft Dudes. Clearly. Certainly reading our content on the Draft Network, and we're in lockstep. Okay, so I had Ed ranked 5th. He went ninth. I had Cody Ford ranked 20th. He went 38th. I had Singletary 65. He went 74. Um, Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox. I had 142 versus 96, but I understand the thought process there with that one. I had Voshan 145. He went 147. I had Jaquan Johnson, 189, he went 181. Mm -hmm. I had Daryl Johnson, 335 versus 225. So that's the one that really stands out. And it's a seventh-round pick. Who the hell cares? And then I had Tommy Sweeney, 185, he went 228. So Brandon B. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're in tune there, brother. Call me maybe, brother. Let's go. All right, you got to talk about Ed Oliver first. I want to talk about Christian yeah, go Wilkins. Yeah, right ahead. Fish, your defensive tackle, good football player. Is there any doubt in your mind that Christian Wilkins could be a really good football player? Nope. Yeah, he was a guy that I would have been comfortable with the Bills taking at nine. Ed Oliver being available changes that dynamic for me, but... Christian Wilkins, a guy that I've I've considered to be one of the foundational pieces for Clemson over the last four seasons. And, and I've said this a few times, Dabo Swinney deserves a ton of credit for what he's built at Clemson. But to me, there's two players in particular that shine above all of them as the reasons why Clemson has been so good lately. Deshaun Watson and Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins has been, what, a four-time All-American. 
right? Freshman All-American and then a three-time regular All-American. Is that good? That is very good. It seems like it's good. It it speaks to the player that he is, a very good interior penetrator, stout against a run, obviously a very good pass rusher, but it's the energy. It's the character. It's it's what he's going to do to help Brian Flores build the culture that he wants to instill in this football team, and that's the type of thing that they're getting outside of just a very dynamic playmaker on defense, the right type of person for Brian Flores in year one to start building this this football team around. No question. Now, I will say this, okay? We know Christian Wilkins took some special teams reps, oh, reps at Clemson. Loved right? it. So on the punt team, no. Not anymore, we don't, okay? <laughs> I watched this team take their second-round pick, Raquan McMillan, and run him out there in the preseason. He was on the kickoff team as the starting middle linebacker, mm-hmm. and he tore his ACL but on I'm, the kickoff What I was team. saying is Christian Wilkins – Loved it. He yeah, wanted to no, be on that field yeah, goal I got team you. so bad. I yeah. just, I do, we're gonna have to put the tiger back in the cage now, right? Yeah. Clemson Tigers. Yeah, huh? nice Whoa. Very good. Okay, so Tigers got back in the cage. He's gonna have a little bit of extra pent up energy, which is fine. I expect Christian Wilkins as the Dolphins that are a team that's gonna be implementing a lot of different kinds of looks. They're gonna, gonna try and be very multiple. You listen to Brian Flores talk. That's one of the things that he talks about. That's why he wants smart football players. He wants guys that can handle different kinds of assignments for different kinds of opponents, right? Mm -hmm. So Christian Wilkins, I expect, is going to be maybe the highest snap percentage of a Dolphins defensive lineman this year when you consider... he's the best one, so... Right, he should be, (laughs) because their their defensive ends right now are Jonathan Woodard and Charles Harris. Exactly, yeah. Combined, they have four sacks in five seasons in the NFL. Is that a lot? No, it's Mm -hmm. not. I see what you're doing here. You're playing in. Where's that Cam? You know that guy jumped like 46 inches in the Cam Wake? My God, that guy's got the bunnies. Jumped up, took a $100 bill off the roof of a locker room. That's not quite double your first. No, yeah. I that's going in the Twitter what, bio. If, if I was not can't in, wait, did not double my vert. But if I didn't get injured, oh, he doubles you. No, no, not double. Does our combined beat Christian? Williams okay, so or, uh, can't wait. So you would have needed to get nineteen. I'm there. Come on, I'm good for twenty inches. I don't know. All right, I have to think about. Back to this class. <laughs> uh, but Joe, you did a really nice job talking about how Wilkins is. Cultural fit, player fit, scheme fit, and he's diverse too. They, I mean, they played him. You go back watch Christian oh, Wilkins yeah. tape from 2016, 2017. And he's playing defensive end a lot of the times. So I'm really excited about the, the potential. And I think Wilkins can kind of be, uh, I don't want to say a cure all because that's not ideally what you'd like to do with him. But depending on game plans on a week to week basis, I think you'll see him playing strong side defensive end. I think you'll see him playing three technique and in, in obvious passing situations lined up head up over the center and, and doing some pass rush stuff from the A gaps as well. So but when you factor in the Josh Rosen deal, which I want to talk about before we finish, but I'm gonna gloss that over to talk about a draft pick with Michael Dieter. Oh okay? good player. Great player. As I said, I misspoke. I'm sorry. He was 29th on my draft board. So the Dolphins got two top 30 players, not two, two top 25 players. Uh, Michael Dieter at 78, I think, is a home run selection, and it's all the much more important because they traded for Josh Rosen. So after the Rosen deal went down, everybody's kind of sitting around at the Draft Network. We did our, our draft show last weekend. They said, okay, wh- when does Rosen start? And I had initially said, you know, you, you, you take your time. But I'm of the, the thought process, Rosen is the answer. Yeah. Well, the Dolphins can't afford to treat it this way. They need to figure it out because if he stinks, the Dolphins have a chance to have a top pick. And if they're not in love with Josh Rosen, they're not married to him the way the Cardinals should have been because they have to pay Josh Rosen $6.2 million over the next three years, and they gave up the 62nd pick to get him. 
So there's very low risk with this situation. You need to figure out exactly what you have in Josh Rosen, which means he needs to play now. I don't care that the coaching staff said there's going to be a quarterback competition there. You didn't give up 62 for a 22-year-old top 10 quarterback to not play him. And to watch Ryan Fitzpatrick play? Correct. Nah. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So, which is actually good for the Dolphins, too, because Fitzpatrick had a lot of gear, or, uh, bonuses written into his contract. If, if Fitzpatrick doesn't play, he's not getting those bonus escalators, and it actually saves the Dolphins money, too. So, uh, Dieter being a guy that can play any of the interior spots, they asked him uh, once he was drafted by Miami where he felt most comfortable and he specifically said anywhere on the inside, left guard, center, right guard. That's his area of comfort. He says, I think I could play tackle, but I, I think I'm mo- going to be most effective on the interior. I'd love to see him playing right next to Laramie Tunsil. They like Jesse Davis, so now you at least have a handful of pieces that you can use as the foundation for your offensive line. They'll have to use the remaining free agency period and uh, the, the post-June 1st cuts to kind of fill out with some short-term, but they need that offensive line right so they can properly assess what they have in Josh Rosen, and Dieter is going to go a long way because he can fill so many spots depending on how the roster shakes out. Kyle, let's uh, quickly look at these day three picks. I think Christian Wilkins, Michael Dieter, home runs. I, obviously, my QB1, Josh Rosen, uh, factored into this mix is, is really exciting in terms of how this overall football team got better on the offensive line, the defensive line, and oh, by the way, quarterback. Very good things. Let's talk about this day three, and I'm going to give you the floor here because I look at this mix of players, and I've got questions. I don't necessarily love these names. I don't know how they fit. Not very exciting. Where's the upside? Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, I see where you're coming from, and as the picks kind of came in, I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> yeah. Van Ginkle in round five, 151, really? But he had great athletic testing. I think we kind of sleep on that part of Van Ginkle. As he went to the Combine, he had a great showing at the Combine. I just didn't think his football intelligence was there. But he was a JUCO transfer, so he only played two years at Wisconsin. Matchup guy for this Yeah, defense, right? yeah, I definitely think so. With the more that they borrow, you know, Flores coming from New England, the way that they've implemented linebackers, they, they need that kind of versatile stand-up guy who can rush a little bit. Van Ginkle fits that profile. So I think he'll uh, compete to get reps at that position. Isaiah Prince was kind of just a need pick. They needed a body at right tackle. Prince, uh, with the the departure of Juwan James, Prince is really long-armed, but he's, from a functional strength perspective and a technique perspective, a really long way to go. So I don't expect he'll be in in position to compete, but at least they can look to groom a traitsy guy there. Um... I honestly like the the two seventh round picks better than the fifth and sixth yeah. round picks with because yeah. those uh, guys are solid, right? Yeah, like you know what you get. Chandler Cox, they're going throwback fullback. They're going to get a guy who can actually be a lead blocker, do a little bit of eye form. Uh, I think we'll see some teams really start to do this, where they'll look to counter and compete the small trend with yeah. spacing. Yeah. You'll see a couple of teams that really want to get back to running with shoot shit. It won the Patriots. The Super Bowl last year with the way that they they really adopted the running game down the stretch. And Miles Gaskin, I know he's got a lot of miles on his legs. That was a day three Reno broadcast show. But listen, (laughs) I understand he's got a lot of miles on his legs, but Kenyon Drake has not not met his expectations, and he's entering year four in the pros. I think Kalen Balazs is ideally a receiving back. I think he can be a change of pace back. But I had questions coming out of Arizona State about his vision. I would not be surprised if Miles Gaskin ends up getting 100-plus carries this year. Kyle, 
Did you just say that running the football matters? Is that? Believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, I know. There's there's some out there that would say that that's fake, but uh, definitely offensive balance. I think is is very important, especially if you're going off matchups, which is what the Dolphins look to do so often. Yeah, replicating a lot of what we saw in New England. And we'll see how that goes for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I will just say this. It feels great to, for my quarterback to be Josh Rosen. Your QB1 from mm-hmm. 2018. Mm-hmm. AFC is going to be fun. Got some exciting yeah. new defensive tackles. Three first-round quarterbacks. Three top, top ten. ten quarterbacks from 2018. Don't we all just wish we had Sam Darnold? No. Mm, it's going to be fun now. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. Now, now we just need to I'm get, excited to watch Kiko Alonso try to tackle Josh. Stop that's, it. That's a real treat. Listen, for me. I don't know how much Kiko's going to play down the stretch here. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're, the appropriate counter was I can't wait to watch Xavier and Howard pick off Josh Allen. No, I already, I already right. told you. I can't okay. wait for Christian Wilkins to belly flop on Josh Allen. Okay. Well, Ed Oliver, I mean, certainly we know Josh Rosen can't move, so Ed Oliver is going to have him cooked. That's right. Dieter's got him. When oh. you're getting outreached by Michael Dieter, you mm. know you got short wow. arms. Okay. Yeah. Oh. It's going to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that's going to do it for Draft News today. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you got hot takes for next week's Takes on Takes, make sure you hit us up. I am at Grinding the Tape. Joe is at the Joe Marino. Come on back tomorrow. We're going to finish the AFC East. We're going to talk Patriots and Jets. Those other two teams in the AFC East. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.